I know that some of you might have at times in your life, you know, different kinds of problems. Everybody has pretty much the same problem, but not the same time. And that's good, because it would be a shame if everybody was down at the same time. That's why the Bible says that when one falls, the other one is, can pick them up. So that's why it's good that you have a friend. You know, somebody you know. And husband and wife are supposed to be friends, right? When you say that husband and wife are supposed to be friends. So when one gets down, the other one can pick them up, right? Encourage them, right there. But what happens if both of them get down at the same time? No, that's not good. Then the war begins. One's ought to always be strong. And you never know which one it is at what particular time. But everybody has to face problems. But when you face a particular problem, where do you go in the Bible to find, you know, a little consolation? Anybody in here ever have a problem with anger? You know, you get angry. Angry. Okay, there's a few hands. The rest of you are lying. But if everybody has a little problem with getting angry, but then let's say you did get angry, what, what scripture would you turn to? What would help you? You know, the Bible talks about, you know, those things that have comforted you. You learn to comfort others. In the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, where it talks about the Father of all mercy, Father of all comfort, that He has comforted us in all our tribulations, though that we might comfort others when they have their tribulations. So God has taught you something, so He taught you a verse. Probably gave you some particular scripture when you were having a hard time. What was it? You remember? You say, I never had a bad time. Oh, you're always right there. What verse in the Bible has really helped you? Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in chapter 4. Chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And you'll notice there is a verse in verse 26. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. This is a good verse. That don't let the sun go down upon In other words, Try to solve all of your problems so that you can get a good night's sleep. Because if you go to bed with a bunch of problems, you know, it's hard to get the rest that you need, your peace of mind that you want. And you'd be surprised. You know, it really bothered me the other day. I was in the office and Jesse was just in cloud nine about how many they had in ranch the other night. Forty-one they had in ranch. He was still floating. His feet wasn't even touching the ground yet. And he says, we need another bus. And I says, um, we already got another guy that's got uh, CDLs. I says, Angel, did you know that Angel has CDLs? He says, what? I said, yeah, he has CDLs. That night, I went home. And I'm laying there in bed. Because I remember, and I was talking to him about, I used to drive these buses with these loaded with kids, you know, all across the country. Taking them, picking them up for the rain. Not getting home sometime on midnight. It, it, it was just, I thought, it'd never end. You start picking them up early, and you'd be putting six hours in every ranch night. So I went home, and I went to bed. And I was thinking about all the things that I want to see done. And I thought about all the money I needed, about a million. And I thought, what if we had another bus, and then another bus, and then another bus, and then another bus? I'd just love to see, you know, just how high Jesse can float. And I... And I'm thinking about this, and I go to bed. And in the middle of the night, I had this dream. Now, this is the truth. I had this dream. I got a load of people on the bus. The bus is loaded. 
and I come to this hill. And I'm giving it everything I can. I try to go down this hill as fast as I can so that I can get up the next hill. So I started up this hill, and I got almost to the top, and the bus was slowing down. And I couldn't see how close I was because I couldn't see over the hood. And I couldn't tell. So I leaned over this way to see just how much, where am I on the road? And when I did, I looked and I saw, I'm ready to go over this cliff. So I got a load of people on here, and I'm coming to the top of a hill, and I look around to try to see what's going on, and there's this cliff on this side, and my wheel's just about ready to go over the thing, and for some reason I couldn't get my hand up. I couldn't get my hand I was going to pull the wheel, and I couldn't get my hand up, and the thing is going slower and slower, and I thought, if the motor dies, is the brakes going to hold and I can't see to go down the hill backwards. I mean, this is a nightmare. It's excruciating. I am totally frustrated in the middle of the night. And you tell me that don't wear you out. And I couldn't get my hand up there to get it, so I thought I'd have to just try to do it with this hand and push it up. And I couldn't get this hand up, and I'm pushing it with this hand. And I didn't, this arm was under the cover. And I couldn't get the cover off my arm. I'm sleeping. And then I woke up. I don't know if I lived or died. I don't know what happened, but it was so real. Scared me to death. And I thought, Jesse did this to me. <laughs> Look in your Bible to the book of uh, Psalms chapter 4. Psalms chapter 4 and verse 4. I want you to see this verse. Psalms 4 and verse 4. See what he says here. In verse 4, stand in awe, sin not, commune with your own heart upon your bed, and be still. So that's why you don't want to be angry and sin not, it says. So that you solve all your problems before you go to bed. Cast all of your cares upon the Lord. If you go to bed sometime with problems because you didn't commit them to the Lord... You'd be surprised how it can sure ruin a good night's sleep. Uh, turn in your Bible to the book of Lamentation. Lamentation. Because there are times in your life when you are going to be down and discouraged. And you talk about being depressed. But you can really be depressed. Lamentation is Jeremiah lamenting about all the things that were going on with the nation of Israel. He was known as the weeping prophet. And we've looked at this before, but I wanted to just show you this uh, one more time. Look here in uh, Lamentations in chapter, chapter 3. Chapter 3. And there's a, a, a whole bunch of things down through here that's really good. And you'll see that sometimes it sense, you sense like I'm just closed in. I, I can't breathe. And you come, you're like you've been smothered with things. You see what he says there in verse 7? He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. That was what was wrong with my arm the other night. I'm trying to get my arm up there to get a hold of the wheel. And I had the covers on. I didn't, I didn't know that until I finally woke up. But I could still move this hand here. I don't know why I could. And I don't know why I had to lean over to see around the, on the bus. Because, you know, the hood's right there. So leaning over wouldn't help that much except I could see the edge. And then that scared me. You see, that actually happened to me before. Here in chapter 3, I just want you to see this. Because he says here in verse 7, 
He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. See, see when, I, when I read the scriptures, I can read the word chain, and I can think of several illustrations. That's one of the values of living longer. After a while, everything has a meaning to it. It has a story somewhere. But look at the last part of this. He says in verse 8, Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways. It's like I can't get out. There's going to be times in your life when it seems like, man, everything is just cramming in on me. And you go through this whole chapter, it's, it's unreal. Now, in the first chapter, it has 22 verses. The second chapter has 22 verses. The fourth chapter has 22 verses. And I believe there's a chapter 5 and then has 22 verses. But this chapter has 66 verses, three times 22. But it's laid out in such a way because uh, there's things that this chapter will teach. And it's, uh, there's like three points of something that you'll find in every one of your verses. But what I want you to see is up there in verse 21. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. In spite of how bad it gets. And you're going to have times of depression. You're going to be down. I wish everything could always be great. But it's not. We have an old sinful body. And the Bible says that our minds. And one of the verses that he had quoted down here can run away with us and we can imagine all kinds of things because that's what the devil that plays tricks on our little brain up there. That's why we have to study the Word of God and get some peace from what God says. Otherwise, you can worry yourself sick. I'm serious. Look what he says here. He says in verse 22, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. Do you think that there's a God in heaven who knows all of the depression that we have, all of the discouragement, all our downtime? You know, it's wonderful to serve the Lord when it seems like the harvest is always there. But you know that sometimes there's droughts. It seems like it don't matter what you plant, what you say, what you do, nothing. You don't get any good results from some things. And sometimes it seems like whenever you're trying to say the right thing, it doesn't come out right. And people can say and do things. And man, you're talking about mess up your life. Wouldn't it be wonderful when we get to heaven? We won't have none of these problems. But we're not there yet. We're living in a sinful world with a sinful body, with a sinful mind. And we wonder why we have such turmoil. That's why every day you and I have to lean on the Lord. Every day, every moment of our life. God doesn't want us to get away from that. He always wants to keep us dependent upon Him. So He says here, His compassions, and see those two little words, the last word, fail not. Do you believe that? He has compassion for you. He knows how you think, how you feel. He knows all about your emotions, everything. And then in verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It doesn't matter how it seems, all the experiences you're going through, the emotional upheaval and all that. God is faithful. God is faithful. And in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that speaks. And in verse 26, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good. And it's good for a man to bear his yoke in the days of his youth, as it says in the very next verse. 
So it's a good thing. All right, let's say, for example, you're being tempted. You ever been tempted by anything? Well, if you've got an old sinful nature, you know the lust of the flesh. Now remember this. For example, a woman. Take a woman. And you wonder sometimes, does a woman know that she is almost like a lure? That when you go fishing, and there's certain fish that you want to catch, so that lure has to be, well, something that entices that fish. Not all fish want the same lure. So you've got to learn which ones to take. Now, I'm not a good fisherman when it comes to that. I just let somebody say, what, what, put, put something on there. No, no, no. If I catch something, praise the Lord. If I don't, I've enjoyed the sun. But I don't put much hope in it because I've never just been a good fisherman. Not, not that kind of fisherman anyway. But a woman needs to understand she is like a lure. God has created something inside of a man that causes a man to be lured. And sometimes the woman needs to understand that she is like a lure. Did you know there's certain things that catches a man's eyes? Certain parts of a woman that makes a man look south? If a woman is wise, she knows if she wants to catch the right man, you don't use the bait in the wrong way. You want to be attractive, but at the same time, you have to watch that you don't overdo it because you're going to catch the wrong kind of a guy. So you learn how to be attractive. At the same time, you'd have to learn how to present yourself and do right. It's better to catch a man because of your love and your honesty and your trustworthiness, your character, because you know sooner or later this hourglass figure all the sand goes to the bottom sooner or later. <laughs> and you're supposed to love the person and not fall in love with the body. The body comes and goes. It changes. Uh, there's times when I've got suits. I've got suits that I can't wear right now. See, why not? Well, uh, they shrunk. They're smaller than they used to be. Or maybe I'm bigger than I used to be. Very seldom do I lose enough that I can get into the slimmer ones. But I tell Betty, honey, they're a little tight right now, but I'm going to be back in them one of these days. 20 years they've been hanging there. I'll never forget the time that I thought I am really holding my own and even lost a little weight because of my belt. Because my belt, I could still put it in the same hole after 10, 15 years. But I realized I need a new belt. So I know I'll wear a 36. So I went to get my 36 belt. And I realized, why is this 36 belt so much tighter than the 36 belt that I've got? So I put them together, and lo and behold... The newer one that's 36 was about three or four inches shorter than the other belt. And I thought, how can this be? Well, because the old one that I've been wearing had stretched. And I was putting it in the same hole, but I had been stretching my, you know, leather stretches. You know, didn't know that. Now, if it gets wet, it can go back, but that's just so it can stretch. Well, anyway, understand that there's things that you need to, to do that's right. Do not allow yourself, girls, listen to me, don't allow your body to be used as a bait to catch somebody. 
I think a girl ought to be careful in how she dresses, or you don't really understand the nature of men. Understand, and listen to the preacher. I'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. Always dress appropriately. Don't flaunt your fruit. It's not wise. And don't blame a guy. I had a woman say, well, if you don't like what you see, you ought not look. So I did this. I did it in church. I stood right there in church. I said, now I want everybody in this church to look me eye to eye, right in my eyeballs. I said, everybody look in my eye. Don't look at anything else. Just look in my eye. So they looked in my eye. I says, do you see anything? Says, anybody see my foot over here? You're looking in my eye, but can you see my foot? Yeah, they call my, saw my foot. How many of you in here saw my foot? But you were looking in my eyes. Look over here. Are you looking in my eyes? <laughs> but you see my hand over here? So you can actually see something you didn't look at. And that's the way it is also. You don't always have to look. But you don't want a testimony where somebody says or thinks something about you because either your clothes were too tight or even if they're too loose. Like I knew this one girl, she threw something on and missed. Some of them have what they call a, an atomic dress. You know, they're 50% fallout. So you have to be very careful. You hear about this little girl, she's in a, a Walmart shopping store, and she was just running up down the aisle crying, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. The manager says, Where is your mother? I don't know. Well, why didn't you hang on to her skirt? I couldn't reach it. So you learn. But here you are, and you're happy. You're thankful to the Lord. God's been so good to you. What would be a good psalm for you to read? The 100th Psalm, very good. Take your Bible, look at the 100th Psalm. Look at this Psalm, the 100th Psalm. Look at this verse. Make a terrible, terrible whining sound, joyful noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with, what's that, joyful in one verse? Gladness, glad. Come before his presence with singing. Some people say, well, I can't sing. Yes, you can. It didn't say how well you had to sing. Now, there are singers and there's people who like to sing. I like to sing. I'm not a singer, but I like to sing. I've been told I have a voice like a potato grater. I was told that singers run in my family, that they had to. <laughs> but anyway... Here in the 100th Psalm, look there in verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are the, His people and the sheep of His pastor. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful and bless his name. Look at all these good things in this verse. You're talking about positive. This is one good positive psalm. Do you think God wants us to be negative or positive? You just don't know what I'm going through. No, but God does. Now, have you committed everything to God? And you'd be surprised how many times God will reveal to us we're not really trusting him, but he reveals it to us. And he does it because of the unsettled mind that we'll have. We'll be so rocked to and fro, and we just can't seem to get the peace that we want. And lo and behold, God says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you 
what? Rest. And you shall find rest unto your soul. Sometimes it's not what's going on in the world. It's what's going on to you spiritually. The devil also works on us. That's right. There's so many preachers that quit the ministry because they just get totally burnt out. And the reason is because there's so much pressure because they're trying to make people do things. And they can't make anybody do what they want them to do. So they can't get what they want because people won't always be faithful. You ever wonder what this church would be like if everybody was faithful? Every service? Huh? If everybody gave like they're supposed to, wouldn't it be awesome? Okay, but that's not going to be reality. So I, as a preacher, I am just accepting what people are willing to give and leave it with the Lord. Because it's not my responsibility to make anybody do anything. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just supposed to teach you the Word of God and live a good example and try to create an environment whereby you can have a ministry. And I feel to that point, I am doing my responsibility. Anyway, look what he says. In verse 5, for the Lord is good. Do you believe that? You'd be surprised at the things that can happen. And the goal that the devil has is to make you think God is not good. Is God good? Is God perfect? Then he doesn't do anything wrong, right? So there's no reason for you ever to get mad or upset and bitter at God for anything. But you'd be surprised at the things that happens to us causes us to question well, he must not really love me. He doesn't really care about me. Whoa, whoa, whoa is me. I'm going to go out in the garden and eat worms. My little pet rock died. I mean, nothing goes right for you. Whine, whine, whine. <laughs> I was complaining about something one day, and my son-in-law, he told me, he says, um, you want a cracker? I said, for what? He says, go with that whining. I said, no, I don't think I need a cracker. A little smart aleck. But anyway, let's say you've done something you shouldn't have done. I know you haven't, but if you did, and you feel this weight, this pressure upon you to get something corrected, get it off of your shoulders, but you know you're guilty about something because you've said or thought or did something that you shouldn't have done, and you just feel this guilt upon you. What's a good scripture to look at? Turn in your Bible to the Psalms 32. Just turn to your left there. Psalms 32. I really like this psalm. But in the book of Romans in chapter 4, uh, there's quite a few verses there that are taken from the 32nd psalm. But look at it real quick. Look what he says in verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So everybody has sinned. Everybody has iniquity. Sin, sometimes we talk about, that's what you actually did. And iniquity is the motive behind the sin. So God sometimes judges the sin that you actually did, but the motive of what you did. So realize that. He says here in verse 2, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. God says that there's some things that he will not put to your account. Now when we read in the book of Romans, God says, blessed is the man unto whom God will not impute sin. Isn't that wonderful? That's great. And here in verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my ruin all the day long. Now this is David, and I believe this is how he felt after he had sinned with Bathsheba. He knew it was wrong. He didn't got himself caught. 
things were bad. He lost a son. His three children became rebellious. The problems that he had. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. Can you love the Lord and still mess up? And you can still mess up. The most godliest person in this room can still mess up today or tomorrow. Or any time down the road. And when you do, you say, I just feel so guilty. Well, you're supposed to be quiet because you're guilty. You say, he has a guilt complex. Well, is he guilty? I've had people say, well, he has an inferiority complex. Well, it could be because he's inferior. I don't worry about people's complex. But look what he says in verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah means pause. Think about what he's saying. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. You can confess the deed, but sometimes you don't want to take the blame for the deed. If you're going to confess the deed, take blame for the deed. Not only that I did it in my motive, but I did it, but it wasn't my fault. Ever hear somebody apologize for what they said or did, but it wasn't my fault? Then what are you apologizing for? Why do you feel so guilty? Confess things to the Lord, and God says He will forgive. And this is taught in the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Isn't it true? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's right there. So in a lot of these Old Testament scriptures, the Bible says uh, these are things that can help us. They can help us. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. The very good scriptures that says these things are written aforetime for our learning. So we can learn a lot of things from this. So this is a good psalm. But what is the one psalm that you ought to add to this psalm of what David actually prayed to the Lord. Psalms what? 51, very good. The 51st Psalm, you ought to write beside this here, because these two Psalms go together. And then David is telling you, I'm a sinner. And he's also saying, I was shapen in iniquity. I was born this way. And it's the truth. Wash me and I shall be as white as snow. And God was after a broken and a contrite heart. But anyway, a lot of good things, and I'll continue to stick Sunday morning. All right, let's pray, shall we? Father, we do thank you for your blessings. Thank you so much for your goodness to us. And Father, we do pray that you'd help each one of us to love each other, to be the kind of people we ought to be, and learn to forgive ourselves and forgive others, and help us to do right. We ask your blessings upon the service to follow in Christ's name. Amen.